Hey everyone, welcome to the Horror Geek Podcast. I'm your host, Horror Geek Mel, and with me is my co-host, Justin Corbett, and our weekly guest, Brent Hannon. Okay, so this is the first episode of the Horror Geek Podcast. For those of you who don't know, I am the owner and editor-in-chief of HorrorGeekLife.com. I wrote for a few horror sites over the years, but I really wanted a site that covered geek culture and gaming as well as horror. So about 15 months ago, I started Horror Geek Life as a way to celebrate and cover all of those things. Now we're bringing the Horror Geek Podcast as a way to start interacting a little bit more with the community and get to know indie filmmakers, indie developers, indie authors, and so forth. I'm really excited to see where the show is going to go. My co-host is the awesome Justin Corbett. Uh, Justin, do you want to introduce yourself? Hey guys, I'm Justin Corbett. I've been podcasting for the last five years. I used to do a show called Comical Podcast, and now I'm the host of a show called Mind Fudge Comedy Podcast, which you can find at mindfudgecomedy.com. I'm also a comic book writer, and uh, we, we do a book called Speak No Evil, which is a horror comedy about H.P. Uh, Lovecraft and Nikola Tesla teaming up to fight monsters. It's pretty cool. And then uh, I also write for Horror Geek Life, and I'm one of the editors. So that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, Justin, how many, uh, how many podcasting shows have you done so far? Uh, well, my own shows, I've done around 250 or so, mm-hmm. uh, but overall, I've probably done about 400. Okay. So you're a pro. <laughs> And our weekly guest is Brent Hannon. Brent, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hey, everybody. I'm Brent Hannon. I do a lot of the back-end work for Horror Geek Life. I also do Let's Play videos, uh, content creation, and recently I've had the honor to help out on Rooster Teeth's Battle Sauce 2025 game by creating hats for the slaws in the game to wear. Awesome. And we're actually going to talk a little bit about Battle Sloths later. Whenever we talk a little bit about uh, indie projects that we love, I'm going to mention Battle Sloths because I absolutely love that game. So, very cool. Before we get into our main topic, which this week is going to be our favorite summer horror films, we're going to talk a little bit about things that HorrorGeekLife.com has covered over the last week. Of course, two of the biggest news stories that we've covered probably since our inception is the passing of George Romero and Martin Landau. Uh, They actually passed away, I believe, about a day apart, but we covered it on the same day because that's when all of the news came out. It was a heartbreaking day for horror fans. It was a heartbreaking day for cinema fans. It was just a heartbreaking day altogether. Horror Geek Life is going to put together a George Romero tribute. It actually should be published by the time this podcast comes out. Um, A lot of the writers and editors, we're all just going to talk about how George Romero impacted our love of horror and our favorite films that he directed and wrote. You really cannot love horror without loving George Romero or something that he's done. It's just almost impossible. Or loving a filmmaker or actor that was influenced heavily by George Romero. He was just such a staple in the industry. So definitely look for that if you'd like to read uh, that tribute. And of course, Martin Landau also passed away. Um, He was the star of Mission Impossible back in the 60s. And of course, Ed Wood. And the other bit of news that we covered this week, which was pretty big, um, more on the geeky side of things, is that Doctor Who is a woman. And this is really no surprise for anyone who has been watching Doctor Who uh, recently. They've hinted at it a lot, that it was probably going to be a woman. So there was already a lot of speculation. But it was finally confirmed that Jodie Whittaker has been cast. And believe me when I say that the nerd rage is real. I saw a lot of people 
already anticipating uh, people getting upset that she was a woman, but I really didn't see anybody getting upset until the last day or so. And a lot of the uh, angry uh, responses on Facebook started coming in and complaining that they're just trying to be PC. I've seen a lot of the meme of uh, the TARDIS sticking out of buildings with like the quote woman, yes. woman driver and stuff. I'm not a huge Doctor Who fan, but like, I think it's kind of cool. There's a woman doctor and I don't know. I don't understand why people get so upset about things changing like that. Yeah. I love the fact that I, I've seen the meme too. And I love the fact that all of the doctors who were driving that TARDIS were men. So that's kind of funny to me <laughs> <laughs> that, that these pictures already exist. And, um, it was not a woman driver at that point, but, uh, it's funny, but yeah, so I'm pretty excited about it, and I think that she's going to do great. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm a Doctor Who fan. I'm not as hardcore as some of the others, but I'm definitely a fan, so I'm excited. I'm, honestly, I, I, I think it's about time because people seem to forget that Doctor Who is not a human character. Exactly. Regenerates, so I mean, it's bound... I've been watching Doctor Who since I was a kid, since you know the original... I think it's about time that it was a woman and I think it can be a lot of fun. I know there's a lot of people out there like, well, you know, we're used to the sidekick being a girl, you know, like an attractive woman. What's it going to be an attractive guy? But hey, you know, it can go both ways. So I can't wait for it myself. I think it's going to be awesome. Exactly. Even if she has a female companion, I, I welcome that. If she has a male companion, I welcome that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see what she does with the role personally. So Okay, are y'all ready for our main topic? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so summer horror films. And these are horror films that really remind us of summer. And I can kick it off. Um, my first is probably not going to be a popular opinion of a favorite summer horror film. But Jaws Part 3 is one of my favorite summer horror films. A lot of people go with Jaws, and I respect that. I love the franchise. I love the first two. Uh, part four, I'm actually going to do a retrospective article on here pretty soon, uh, why I have a love-hate with it. But uh, I just love part three, probably because it reminds me of going to SeaWorld as a kid. It was a lot of fun. I have a lot of great memories. And Jaws Part 3 is just a ton of fun with the 3D action, with the giant shark coming through the tunnel, the flooding. I just think it's a great setting. Are y'all fans? Yeah, I really like Jaws 3. Um, it might be my favorite of the series. It's pretty close between that and the really? one. Yeah. Wow. I I have never. That's probably why you're my co-host. I've never <laughs> met anybody else who's willing to admit that. <laughs> I enjoy it. It's good. There you go. Um, my second is Friday the 13th. I know that's really kind of just a staple that's that's pretty much on everyone's favorite summer horror list, but it's definitely on mine. Friday the 13th is just a film that whenever I watch it, you know, I mean, how can you not think summer? They're at the summer camp. They're getting ready for the campers to come. Of course, the campers never make it, but it's just such a great film. Nothing says summer like sex and murder. I mean, come on. This is very true. Absolutely. And, uh, and I, you know, I love Friday 13th because it was a, a film that kind of was a pioneer film to where there was a woman as a killer. And back then that just wasn't that common that there was a woman who was capable of that type of murder, especially uh, shown on, on the screen like it was back in the early 80s. And so it really kind of, um, it, it kind of uh, shocked a lot of people who the killer actually was. And of course it spawned one of my favorite franchises ever. So that's a plus. Makes perfect sense. My 
third is going to be Wolf Creek. It is one of the most underrated horror films, in my opinion. And I know that it spawned a television series recently, and it has a sequel, so it's kind of hard to say it's underrated, but at the same time it is. Because unless you are a hardcore horror fan, you really don't know about Wolf Creek. The mainstream just doesn't really know about the film, and I think it's fantastic. I think Mick Taylor is such an underrated slasher as well. He is absolutely insane. He has a great laugh. <laughs> He's diabolical. He's sadistic. And I love him. But it definitely reminds me of Summer. They're traveling across the outback. They run into Mick Taylor, who offers to help them get on their way. And, of course, that doesn't exactly happen. But it is not for the faint of heart, but it is the favorite. Very cool. I've never actually seen that one. I'll have to check it out. You haven't? No, I've never seen that. Wolf Creek 2, um, I, I kind of like a little bit more than the first just because it starts off with a bang compared to the first. The first kind of takes a little while to get into it, but the second does not. <laughs> it just uh, it puts you right into the action right away. Uh, it's also a little bit gorier, but the first is just so great that you definitely need to check it out. I will. Thanks for the recommendation. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, for me... Uh, I picked three movies as well. My first one is Evil Dead, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. I love Sam Raimi. I love Bruce Campbell. I love everything about that film, to be honest. <laughs> and and yes. the franchise that it spawned as well. Like Ash vs. Evil Dead is like one of my favorite shows on TV right now. I love Army of Darkness. Like I can probably quote the entire movie all the way through. Evil Dead 2 is fantastic as well. Like everything about it, I just love. I love the Necronomicon. I love the Lovecraftian influences. I love all the different monsters that he deals with. And uh, the Deadites are a lot of fun. So Evil Dead, I mean, it's it's a, a group of friends going to hang out in a cabin in the woods in the summertime. You know, nothing says summer like murder and mayhem, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And ha have you, just really quick, have you heard the uh, theory that Jason Voorhees is actually a Deadite? I have heard that theory. Yes. So in, in one of the Jason films, Jason Goes to Hell, it's actually uh, the Necronomicon is found in the Voorhees house. And of course, the comics later on say that his mom brought him back as a young boy and that he was a dead eye. It doesn't really hold up. Yeah. <laughs> the, the theory does not hold up <laughs> with the films. It's a fun theory, though. It's fun to think about for sure. But yeah, I don't think it holds any water. <laughs> I always love those fan theories, you know. I mean, there's there's some really interesting ones out there, and that would be great if it held water, but yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't. Yeah, so that's my first movie. My second movie is The Devil's Rejects. Uh, I'm a huge Rob Zombie fan. I feel like Devil's Rejects is by far his best movie. You know, I love the the family. Otis is probably like my favorite of all the characters he created. You know, it's violent, it's bloody, uh, it has a great soundtrack. It takes place in the summertime. You know, I wasn't really sure what you wanted when you said summer movies. So <laughs> I, I picked a lot of movies that took place in the summertime. <laughs> that but absolutely works. <laughs> I figured it worked. Yeah. But yeah, I love Devil's Rejects. It's fantastic. It's almost more of an action movie than a, a horror movie in places, though. Don't you feel like? Yeah, uh, I actually agree with that. And I do think it's probably his best film. I'm also a pretty big fan of the first Halloween. I, I know that's going to get a lot of hate right now, but I, I do love his films. And I thought Devil's Rejects was fantastic. I think I'm like one of those odd men out that I've never really gotten into Rob Zombie films. I mean, they're weird. Like <laughs> Lord, Lords of Salem was a weird movie. 31 was weird. Um, House of Thousand Corpses is just a love letter. I mean, it's not a great film, but it's it's really cool. But Devil's Rejects is actually a really well put together movie with a lot of thought and a great storyline and great characters and 
like I said, a great soundtrack. So <laughs> yeah, definitely one of my favorites. Uh, and then my third movie is, uh, you'll, you'll notice as the show goes along that I have a tendency towards horror comedies more so than just straight up horror. Uh, mm-hmm. my third movie is Tucker and Dale versus evil because it's about two unassuming redneck brothers who buy a cabin in the woods, uh, for their summer <laughs> home. And they go there to have a nice vacation and a bunch of college kids show up and, you know, think they're some kind of deranged killers and somehow end up killing themselves over and over again. And it's hilarious <laughs> and bloody and amazing and one of the most fresh and interesting films of the last 10 years. Uh, you know, that's one of the films that the first time you watch it, it's pretty funny. And then the second time you watch it, you are like almost pissing your pants. It is so fucking funny. I I couldn't even believe it. The first time I watched it, I, I, I liked it. And then the second, the third, the fourth time, I don't know how. It just gets funnier and funnier and funnier. It's yes, a it great does. one. And I hate you for picking this movie because it would have been on my list, so you stole one from me. <laughs> Sorry. That's, I, for, I forgive you. It has some of the greatest quotes, too. I, we have to do a show uh, one week and just sit here and quote this film. <laughs> Nothing else. Yeah, we We're just going to quote it. Episode to this, I think. It'd be easy. Those are good, though. Brent, what are yours? All right, so I am going to do Jaws for my first one, not Jaws 3. I enjoy Jaws 3, but anytime I watch it now and I'm not watching it in 3D, you know, that was back in the the hokey 3D days where, you know, like the big pipe comes out of the screen and stays there for a full five seconds before they cut to the next scene. (laughs) I can't stand it. I just, I love the movie. It was fun in 3D, but the, the old way of doing the 3D gags is just horrendous to me. But the original Jaws is a classic it's awesome, and it just, it's obviously summer. It's a beach. There's people mm-hmm. in the water, you know, and then the shark comes in and everything, and I love the movie. I think what makes it even better for me, because I love, like, special effects and things like that behind the scenes, almost more in horror than I do the, the movies themselves, but with this one, it was even better because of how much messed up. Like, hearing about what they plan to put in the movie, I think it would have been like most horror movies today. And they wanted to put everything in there. They wanted you to see the shark all the time, but all of their effects started failing. And so I think it was like 100 times better because of that. So that's my first. My second one is Cabin in the Woods. Not a typical one that would make you think of summer, but it's, you know, kids got in the, the Cabin in the Woods. You know, it's a vacation. That I, Joss Whedon humor I love, throughout the whole thing. I, I love Joss Whedon. Yeah, I, I love... Mean, I, 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 there's not much that I don't like about his his films and TV. Justin, were you a fan of this one? Because I know you're a big uh, Lovecraft fan. And, I mean, this was very Lovecraftian. This was, like, very high in consideration for my top three list. Like, uh, it's probably going to be number four or five for me, honestly. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 I think as it went on, it I loved it more and more. Because, you know, it started out and then they have a lot of the classic tropes in there and everything for, you know, kids going to Cabin in the Woods. But then as it unfolds and you start to understand more and more of what's going on, and especially when they basically break the system and get into one of the holding cubes, and you get to see everything. And then you get to see everything unleashed and it just goes chaotically downhill into massive destruction all the way up till the end. Love it. So, so this is a film, honestly, that got so much 
unwarranted hate. And the film still gets a lot of hate. But um, as y'all know, I help admin some horror groups on Facebook. And I kind of see a lot of the popular and unpopular opinions out there. And when this film came out, people were really hyped about it um, before opening weekend. And then once it came out, people just shit all over it. And I've never understood the hate for this film. I don't get it either. I mean, I just, I watch it and I'm like, how could you hate this? I mean, I would love to see if they, you know, made more. Obviously, it's not really, you know, with how it ended and everything. But just all of the lore set in that ending, you know, like the merman was hilarious. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But, you know, but I mean, just seeing, uh, you know, the, the ballerina girl and all of that, the things that they could have set off at the beginning. It's just, I love the way they set up this movie. Yeah, I absolutely. Did too. That's a good one. And so my final one goes to I tend to to lean the same way as Justin, where I like a lot of decent humor, uh, which is probably why I like a lot of Joss Whedon stuff as well. But uh, my third is Club Dread, <laughs> Broken Lizard. Those guys are hilarious. They can pretty much do no wrong in my opinion. But uh, this again, obviously, is summer. You know, a bunch of young adults go out to you know this club to party have sex you know whatever and i would have to say that actually this is my favorite role for bill paxton ever huh. because <laughs> his portrayal of coconut pete yeah that's just it's hilarious and pina cladeberg i loved it i i also love that one i'm a huge broken lizard fan and uh this is one of my one of my go-to comfort films kind of too so and i loved him in this role he was pretty fantastic in it i have to yeah. say and I'm not always the biggest Bill Paxton fan. I'll just put that out front. I, I love him. I love him. I know. I know people are going to hate me, but I, I love him in Aliens. I love him in this. And then uh, God, there's that one horror movie um, with his kids and frailty. Like frailty. I like that. frailty. That but a, good movie. a lot of the times he is very monotone mm-hmm. for me. Justin. Like, like, eh. Yeah. Justin, we can never have Brent back on the show. Sorry, (laughs) and he says this on the anniversary date of aliens what i I love aliens (laughs) and i love him in aliens and i love him in a lot of different things but a lot of times he can be a little monotone and i i I love him as an actor and everything uh, like that but it's always something that's kind of got to me what's your least favorite role of his twister (laughs) <laughs> what Justin we can never have him back on the show again <laughs> like you know, there was no pause there Twister is, <laughs> that yeah. show defined my childhood yeah it was a big <laughs> part of my childhood too days. honestly thank you <laughs> okay. yes, uh, Club Dread actually ties back into Friday the 13th because at the end when the fun police Sam gets killed in the water there's a scene where he comes flying back up out his upper torso does and tries to grab on one of them to pull them back in. So it was kind of like an homage to Friday the 13th. There were a lot of them. They even uh, threw a bone kind of to a sleepaway camp when they, he, when he tucks his junk between right. the yeah. <laughs> Shows it all, you know. Um, there was a lot of really fun throwbacks. So definitely. Those are great choices. I feel like with some of these franchises, I feel like we could just probably talk for the entire episode probably. about some of these different franchises. So... Maybe in the future. Um, 
Okay, so moving on, one of the segments that we're going to bring every week is HGL Loves Indie. We are big supporters of indie in every medium, from comic book creators to filmmakers to game devs to authors and so on. So we really want to pick a project that we love, that we want to highlight, whether it is in the early stages and just a Kickstarter or a crowdfunding campaign, or it's already released and we just think that it deserves a shout out. This week, Brent already mentioned that he has worked with uh, Rooster Teeth Games Battle Sauce 2025, The Great Pizza Wars. It's a game that I've loved probably for about a year and a half now. Um, I think even before Brent ever got involved with the game, it's just one that I found out about. Actually, I found out about it when I interviewed Randy Greenback, who is the executive producer for Friday 13th, the game. And he mentioned that he has other projects in the works. And one of the projects at the time still in the works was Battle Sauce. Since then, the game got picked up by Rooster Teeth Games as publisher, and it's been released. Um, I actually just spent last weekend down in Austin for RTX, which is Rooster Teeth Expo, and they had a great panel there. They had a huge showcase and tournament, and it was just a lot of fun. Um, but the game just released the single-player mode. It's not really an easy game. It's a very fast-paced, it's a twin-stick shooter you get to pick a different sloth, dress it up in a crazy hat. There are probably a thousand hats out there and you battle it out against other sloths for slices of pizza. There are a lot of different weapons. You blow each other up. There's a nuke that you can put into the game that you have to keep resetting or it blows everybody up. Um, there's just so many different elements, but like I said, they just released single player along with 30 different challenges. They also uh, released a new map. They have several different maps. Uh, for example, a hell map. When you keep killing the different sloths, your blood meter fills up and it releases harpies from hell that you ha now have to fight against as well as the uh, opponent. So it's just a lot of fun. And like I said, it's a game that I've had on my radio for a long time. So I'm really glad that it's now out. But that's uh, our indie segment for the week. Sounds cool. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, definitely. Our next segment is going to be strange and unusual news. And I'm actually going to let Justin take the reins on this one. So we got three strange and unusual stories we can talk about this week. Uh, our options are about a man getting locked in a very strange place. Doctors <laughs> finding something unusual inside of a woman or a man oh. who loses a part of his body because of a very gross act that he was involved with. Which story would you like to hear first? I want to hear what was inside the woman. Yeah, I'll, I'll second that. Uh, okay, so doctors were readying a 67-year-old woman for cataract surgery in November, and they discovered that a bluish mass had appeared in one of her eyes. It turned out to actually be 17 contact lenses that had mashed together, um, according to a report published this month in the British Medical Journal. And the woman, unsurprisingly, reported that she had been having discomfort in her eyes for a long time, but figured it was because of dry eyes and old age. As, <laughs> as bad as it sounds to have 17 lenses stuck together in your eye... Uh, the specialists that worked on her, they said they eventually found an additional 10 individual contact lenses in the same eye. All of the lenses, Jeez. Were, all of the lenses were uh, monthly disposable contacts that the woman had forgotten about uh, and just <sighs> left in there. And they had kind of like formed into a weird mass on her eyeball. So, yeah. How long did she live like this? <laughs> I mean, how do you I mean, not years? know? Where, where do you think that those went? Maybe she just went to sleep and then woke up and forgot she put them in or took them out. Oh, I don't my know. goodness. Okay. Well, that was not phallic, but that was still disturbing. <laughs> I mean, I've fallen asleep with like a pair of contacts in my eyes, and I definitely knew they were in there. <laughs> well, because you wake up with them like super irritated, right? Yeah. And I would think that after about 
six. <laughs> <laughs> then I don't want to get whatever they were out. Would it take six? I mean, I, I figure like... I don't even know. <laughs> give, at least give it, you know, benefit of the doubt that, you know, maybe I can make it to six before I'd have to, like, tear them out of my eyes. Maybe that is all a little have bit. Never, I have never worn contacts longer than a few hours. Uh, I used to be kind of self-conscious about my glasses, and I used to want to wear contacts. And I try and try and try, and I hated them. I would go to take them out, and I would sweat and cry and panic and have an anxiety attack, and I just couldn't do it. <laughs> so um, I, I stopped wearing them, and now, of course, I've embraced my glasses, and um, I, I definitely don't know how she handled that. I've uh, I've got perfect vision, so I've luckily never had to deal with any of those problems. Oh, but, uh, you special. Well, I did almost lose my eye one time. I can tell that story. Oh, Please I think, do. I think you. I think you have to now. Uh, when I was a kid, I don't know if you guys remember those like whirly bird toys where you you put them between your hands and rock them back and forth, and then kind of like shoot them off into the distance, and they'd spin like a yeah. helicopter. Yeah. Uh, so I had like a metal one. And I got it, and I was in trouble, and my mom had grounded me and told me to sit down and, and not do anything. And it was uh, in August, right before school started, and I was just sitting on the floor of my parents' bedroom playing with that thing, and I flew it backwards instead of forward, and it flew straight into my eye and, like, cut a centimeter into my, like, retina. And uh, I almost lost my right eye. I ended up uh, going to the doctor, and they had to give me an eye patch, and I wore that for six months, and I had to keep putting, like, specialty uh, drops in my eye, and there was this green ooze, and it was... It's pretty disgusting. But yeah, I almost lost my eye. Somehow I still managed to retain my perfect vision. <laughs> so you said that you had another story about someone losing part of their I did. You want to go on part? to that one next? I kind of do now. Your story uh, has put me in the mood. It's a good segue. <laughs> so uh, this took place in Bendigo, Victoria, which I'm not a geographer person, so I couldn't tell you where that is. But a Bendigo man apparently lost all of his eyesight after he received chlamydia from a stripper urinating on his face. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> apparently, start with that one? Victorian health authorities have issued a warning to travelers embarking on trips to Phuket, Thailand, after a local Bendigo man almost permanently lost his eyesight. Apparently, he went on a party trip to Thailand uh, with a bunch of other men, and they were at their hotel suite with a bunch of local strippers, and uh, one of them asked the man to lay down and gave him a golden shower, basically peed all over his face. And uh, he almost lost an eye because of it. I love that we just explained what a golden shower is. Just in case someone out there doesn't know. Well, and isn't that on the pamphlets, you know, when you're going overseas, it says, don't let foreign strippers pee in your face? I That's think... not on the pamphlet. I've checked. So you go over there and you're <laughs> married. How would you ever come home and explain that to your spouse? That'd be uh, a hard one. It would be. I'd just say I tripped and fell in the toilet. I mean, you could just say you went swimming and caught like one of those flesh-eating bacteria things in your eye. Cause yeah, any, any, anything, but I let a stripper pee on my face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> until your story is all over the place with your poor uh, picture and yeah, they, an eye patch on. They have a picture that of the guy. It onto a podcast. Yeah. They do have a picture of him? They have a picture of the guy up on the site, yeah, with a big there eye you patch go. on. <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't really say poor guy. He kind of looks like a douche. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, he was asking for it. Yeah. Well, I you mean, asked for chlamydia of the eye. I, you know, <laughs> I think I think a stripper doesn't accidentally pee on your face. I think if you know, <laughs> I think you have to specifically ask for that thing to occur. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she asked me to lay down. I didn't know what she was gonna do. And then all of a sudden, what? What is this? <laughs> Bam, I got chlamydia of the eye. 
<sighs> so that's the second story. You want to move on to the third? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay, so this one actually takes place in Texas, where we're all from, in Corpus Christi. So apparently there was a uh, man who got stuck inside of an ATM for three hours. I guess it was one of those like drive-up ATMs, and he was one of the guys like working on repairing it, and somehow it shut behind him. I'm assuming he's a fairly small man, um, and he got stuck inside. <laughs> he got stuck inside of the ATM, and uh, he was shouting for help, but because of the metal walling or, or whatever on the ATM, people couldn't hear him. So he started sliding "Please help me, I'm stuck" notes out of the uh, money slot. So when people were picking up their money, there was like notes that said "Please help me," and. Uh, I guess there was like three or four cars in a row that just kind of took it as like a hidden camera show or like there was some kind of punked <laughs> kind of thing and just drove away and left the guy trapped in there. Uh, but then the fourth person that came along believed that it was a real thing and flagged down a police officer who managed to figure out what was going on and get the thing open and save the guy. But uh, yeah. So it was here in Texas mm -hmm. and I assume this was pretty recent. It is like 98 degrees right now. What what was it like getting stuck in an ATM and then knowing that nobody is helping you even though they're getting your notes? I mean, it had to be horrible. It's like being trapped <laughs> in a tiny oven. Well, oh, I want to know how I didn't realize there was that much room in an ATM. Which is, goes back to Justin's theory. He's a very small man. Maybe. He had to be a very small man. I mean, He had to be a very, very small man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that they pad those things with a lot of extra space. I mean, How horrible would you feel getting a note and ignoring it and then looking on the news later and realizing you just ignored a man stuck well, in an ATM I mean, on 90 degree A? If he At what point do you not uh, try to write a longer note? <laughs> well, okay, so they have a picture of one of the notes, and it says, please help, I'm stuck in here, and I don't have my phone. Please call my boss. And then he put his boss's phone number down. Oh, come on, people. Oh, okay, there. there. Yeah, that's a little bit... It was like if it was just a note that said, I am trapped in here, then yeah. But... Oh, man, everybody has a phone these days. Why not just call it? What What's the worst that can happen? Especially if it's local area code. What's the worst? It's just a piece of paper that but, says, help me, I'm in hell. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it, but it would be if you were at an ATM and you don't think that there's enough room in there for a person to be in there and you get your money plus a note that says, help me, I'm trapped in this machine. <laughs> you might think it's a practical joke. I mean, I, I would. I would. Be, probably dismiss it or, or not even i mean lots of people probably don't even look at their stuff like they just assume the atm gave them the correct amount get their money and drive away or they see it and they think it's a receipt and they just toss it on the passenger seat and keep driving oh, yeah, I'd probably fold it up and put it in my back pocket and <laughs> go about my day yeah. well i'm glad he survived then because yeah. wow he got lucky <laughs> he did okay so the next segment uh is something we're also going to do every week which is called hgl recommends and this is going to be something that um it doesn't even have to be new but it's just something that we really enjoy that we want to recommend to our awesome listeners out there uh i'll go ahead and go first and what i'm going to recommend is a horror film that came out i believe in 2015 but it is one that really unsettled me, and I've seen it many times since then, and it still has the same impact on me. It's on Netflix right now, and it's called Last Shift. I didn't know what to expect when I started it on Netflix just randomly one uh, one day, and I was just pleasantly surprised. So I definitely want to pass that on, especially if you're in the mood to get scared, um, have a mystery, and have some really good supernatural ghost action all kind of uh, wrapped up into one. Then definitely check out Last Shift. Sounds good. Justin, what's yours? Uh, mine is the comic series Nailbiter. It's actually written by a friend of mine, Josh Williamson, and it's about uh, serial killers in this small town called Buckaroo. 
where 17 of the world's most notorious serial killers have all come from the same small town and uh, some FBI agents go missing while they're investigating and then a second team shows up and has to figure out not only the mystery of why these people are becoming serial killers, but also what happened to the original team. And uh, it's one of my absolute favorite comic series of the last few years. Um, it's really dark, really terrifying in some places, and I love all the characters in it, and I can't recommend it highly enough. It's, it's really good. I actually have a copy of this. I got it when I was down in Houston for a Comic-Con, and um, I still haven't read it. So this is a great reminder that I need to start reading this really soon. Brent, what's yours? Mine is a game called Dungeon Defenders 2. It's actually a free-to-play game. I've got it on Xbox One. It came out last month. If you love tower defense games, then you should definitely check it out. And it's not the traditional tower defense where you're just like an above you building towers. You have a character, actually a set of characters. After a while, you can unlock them. So like you start with a knight. You got the traditional uh, archer magician and monk are the four basic ones uh, that you can get without having to spend a lot of time in it and so they have their abilities and everything else as well so you set up these towers you also have your character to run around and try to help and you can set up walls and all this stuff um it's by trendy entertainment like i said came out last month it's a whole lot of fun i've been playing it for about a week now so Free to play you know at some point you're gonna hit a paywall if you want to do bigger and better but it, it's not glaringly in your face like hey you've played it for a day now give us your money but it, it's a whole lot of fun sounds fun very cool yeah absolutely and that wraps up our first episode of the horror geek podcast if you'd like more information about the podcast check out horrorgeeklife.com and click on the podcast link you can also follow us on social media at horror geek life if you'd like to follow me on facebook or twitter you can look me up at horror geek mill if you'd like to follow me on any social media i'm at comical jc I'm on Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to follow me, I am on Twitter at Brent underscore Hannon. Great. And thank you all again. We'll definitely see you next week.